Welcome to Speaking of Grace, the weekly message podcast from the Whole Life Church in Orlando, Florida. We're a multi-ethnic, multicultural, and multi-generational congregation committed to our mission of loving people into a lifelong friendship with God. We are committed to our vision of being a church without walls, fully engaged in serving the people of our community. Thank you for joining us as we continue Speaking of Grace. Well, Whole Life family, you know one of the ways that we adore Jesus is by loving people. That's one of the ways we do it. And I uh, was so, this was my first, first barn party. And uh, it was amazing. And I think what struck me the most about it was that it wasn't just for us. This was for the community. How do I know that? We, uh, we brought some vendors in to do different things, um, and they're used to having large crowds of people come through. And so at the end of it, um, our executive pastor, John Monday, asked a couple of the vendors how many people they thought had come through. So I'm just telling you what they thought. I'm not saying it's the right number. I'm just telling you it's what they thought. They thought we had about 2,000 people here. Yeah. And uh, the hot dogs and buns would bear out that that might be a, a good number. So I see uh, one of our primary cooks. But you know, that stuff didn't happen just because it happened because you volunteered and you made a difference. It was really interesting. Last Saturday morning, I get here a little early. I'm out walking in. And I see a guy walking his dog around here, uh, just walking down the street. So um, we're thinking about putting a dog park right over here in the corner. And so I just kind of engaged him and was asking him some questions about whether he would find that useful. Yeah. Um, and so anyway, and then in the process, I said, hey, we're having this. He said, I see a lot of stuff. What's going on? And I told him, I said, hey, you'd, I'd, you know, invite your friends, family, everybody in the apartment building. It'd be great. And I saw him. He was there. So um, for those of you who um, really gave of yourself, I want you to know it's important that we do these kind of things. It's important that our community know that we're here not just to take from them or to try to sell them something, but just because we genuinely care about them, that we do nice things for this community, that we're a part of this community. So I'm just so proud of Whole Life Church for being that kind of church. Yeah, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you. And today, as we begin this Advent season, we pray that we be reminded of part of our denomination's name, Adventists. We pray that uh, as I speak about Elizabeth and Zachariah, that you would touch the hearts here with the message that you want to give them. We pray in your name. Amen. So while you're kind of still opening your eyes, you can keep them closed if you want, but I really would like for you to visualize something that you are hoping for. So visualize it. If you, you know, if you can do it with your eyes open, that's not a problem. But I do need you to think of something that you hope for. You got it? Okay. Hang on to it. Hang on to it. We're going to, you know, put it in a little box in your heart and hang on to it for the end of, of the service today. Hope, in my opinion, is one of the least talked about yet most important aspects of Christmas. 
we tend to gloss over it really quickly because in the rearview mirror, it's not hope, it's fulfilled expectation. And so what we really kind of tend to forget about the Christmas story is that for thousands of years, people had hoped for a Messiah. They had hoped for a Redeemer. And so hope is one of the core items that we should think about, that we should talk about when it comes to Christmas. Even though in the rearview mirror, we see it as fulfilled expectation, it wasn't. It wasn't for the people that were living back in Jesus' time before he was born. The 70-week prophecy of Daniel, they knew that that was there somewhere, that that it should be close. And they had their own expectation of what that Messiah was going to look like. An avenging king that would come and finally get rid of that pesky Roman Empire restore Jewish and Jewish culture to primacy in the world and an Israel that was strong and dominant. That was the hope. I mean, they knew the hope was for a Messiah, but the hope really was for a dominant Messiah. The verse that I've chosen as my main verse for this morning is found in Luke chapter 1, verse 45. And if you have a Bible, let's feel free to open it to Luke chapter 1. We're going to pretty much stay there the entire time uh, during this time together. Luke chapter 1, verse 45, New American Standard Bible says it this way. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what had been spoken to her by the Lord. The characters that we're looking at today in this series, the series called Arise to Christmas, we're looking at people who are given an opportunity to arise, and then what do they do with that opportunity? I won't ask you to raise your hand if you had troubles conceiving. But in the discussions that I've had with people that have had trouble having a child, it can be one of the most painful and hurtful things to experience. Rochelle and I got just a a small smidgen of a taste of that. Before Kyla came along, we'd been trying for about a year to have a baby, and that's nothing compared to what many people go through. And yet, I remember as we got to month 9, 10, and 11, thinking, what if if it's not going to happen for us? I remember the the feelings that went through me. And so I can 
just in, in a very, very small way relate to what Elizabeth and Zechariah must have gone through. And, and actually, it, it was worse for them. It was a humiliating thing for them. They both come from priestly families, according to Luke chapter 1. And Luke actually has to go out of his way in Luke chapter 1 to say that Zechariah and Elizabeth are righteous people who followed all the commandments of God. And, and you might think that's a throwaway. It's not. Luke has to say it because the stigma in that time was that if you couldn't have children, it was because you had done something to offend God. You had sinned in some way. You had done something wrong. You weren't completely righteous. Imagine that as a priest. You're a priest that serves at the temple, that serves the people of God. And every time you walk into that temple, you have people looking at you going, is he really worthy to be there? What's he doing that's keeping God from being able to do what God does for all righteous people? Can you imagine the hope that Elizabeth and Zachariah had from that early age when they first got married and then the years started to go by? Can you feel the pain and the hurt as they watch people whisper about them? And maybe not just whisper, but outright, like Job's friends say, you should really examine your heart. There's probably something in there that if you would give it over to God, God would be able to give you that desire that you have. Zachariah and Elizabeth had this double hope. They hoped for a child and they were hoping for a Messiah that would come and make all things right for their country. And one day, Zachariah is on duty at the temple. And it's easy to gloss over this really quickly again. But what, what we're told is, is that in Luke chapter one, it tells us that Zechariah is chosen by lot to go and minister in the holy place. Now, what you need to understand is that many biblical scholars believe that there are about 18,000 priests at that time. And so in order to go and minister in the holy place, many scholars believe that was maybe a once-in-a-lifetime chance. It wasn't something that just happened every other week. It wasn't something that like, oh yeah, that's just normal. They were chosen by lot. It means they, they cast lots to pick the people who are going to go in there. And usually there were about four priests that would go in to the holy place to take care of different aspects. Remember, there's the table of showbread, the, the candlestick, the altar of incense, and each priest had kind of a different thing. And so Luke records that Zachariah is one of those priests that's chosen by lot to go in there. So he's at a very old age, likely, we don't know for sure, but likely it could have been the first time he had been chosen to have that honor. 
that the lot had fallen for him to do it. And what becomes very interesting, again, that scholars note, and sometimes we gloss over quickly, is that Luke says that that Zechariah is by himself in the holy place, which seems a little unusual when there should have been three other people in there with him. So one conjecture, and it's the one I happen to like, so that's the one I'm going to talk about. One conjecture is that Zechariah dilly-dallied a little bit because he wanted alone time with God. And so he let those other priests go. And then he got on his knees and poured out his heart to God. What did he say? Did he say, God, why? I don't understand why you never gave me children, but I, I love you and I serve you. I don't know what he said, but, but to me, it kind of makes a little sense that he just wanted that alone time with God in that holy place. And something incredible happens. An angel appears. And again, sometimes we gloss over things really quickly, but the angel appears, it says, on the right side of the altar. That's important. It's important because the right side of the altar signified God's favor. But Zechariah was so overwhelmed with seeing an angel, he didn't stop to think about that. He was just terrified. You know, sometimes when God comes to bless us, we're so scared that we don't realize that he's there to bless us. Because the blessing can feel a little overwhelming. And so the angel says to him, don't be afraid, Zechariah. God's heard your prayer. You're going to have a son. You're going to name him John. You'll have great joy and gladness. And many will rejoice at his birth, for he'll be great in the eyes of the Lord. He must never touch wine or other alcoholic drinks. He'll be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth. And he will turn many Israelites to the Lord their God. This is an allusion back to Malachi. He'll be a man with, with the spirit and power of Elijah. He will prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children. And he'll cause them who are rebellious to accept the wisdom of the godly. And Zechariah doesn't say, wow, if an angel showed up here, that's going to happen. Instead he goes, how am I going to know that's going to happen? And if the angel was sarcastic like me, it would have been like, uh, how many times have you seen an angel, Zachariah? <laughs> what do you think? But God is gracious, and his angels are too. And I can imagine that Gabriel says in a very gentle voice, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. It was God who sent me to bring you this good news. But now, since you didn't believe what I said, you will be silent and unable to speak until the child is born. For my words will certainly be fulfilled at the proper time. I love there's a passage in Galatians that talks about Jesus coming in the fullness of time. You know, God has a timetable that oftentimes we are just not too clued into. And it often feels like God waits just a moment too late or a year too late or a decade too late. 
And yet what we can rest assured of when we read through the Bible is that God is always right on time. Always right on time. What you hope for that hasn't happened doesn't mean that God has forgotten you, hasn't forgotten that dream that you had. God will be right on time. You can count on it. And so sure enough, Elizabeth becomes pregnant. They have a relative, young teenage girl named Mary, not married, also becomes pregnant. And by the way, also has an angel show up to her. By the way, it, just read through the book of Luke and see if Luke doesn't like making women hero, heroes. He does. It, just read through Luke. It happens over and over and over again. And, and so Luke points out and compares and contrasts Zachariah's reaction and Mary's reaction. When Mary has the angel show up, Mary's words are, let it be as you said. She believes. And Luke contrasts that with the angel affirming Mary for believing and gently chastising Zachariah for not believing. And in fact, when we read that verse that I told you was, was the theme verse for today, Luke 145, and blessed is she who believed that there would be fulfillment of what had been spoken to her by the Lord. That's referring to Mary. That's Elizabeth speaking about Mary. Mary believed. Zachariah was like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know about this. And yet, Zechariah 100% redeems himself. How? Well, when the baby is born and it's time to name the baby, he still isn't able to speak. And the relatives say, well, we're going to name him after you because that's our tradition. And Elizabeth says, no, we're supposed to name him John. They're like, you're a woman. We'll go ahead and ask dad what's going to happen here because that's the way they worked in those times. And... By this point, Zachariah had had some quiet time, some time to really think things through. And he gestures and writes, his name is John. Family, names in the, in the Bible really matter. For instance, you do know what Elizabeth's name means, right? By the way, Elizabeth, the name there, um, the name of Zachariah's wife says that Elizabeth was a, a descendant of Aaron. Aaron's wife's name was Elizabeth. And the name Elizabeth means God is her oath or God is her promise. Isn't that cool? You see how that might fit into the story a little bit? But Zachariah's name is equally important. Zachariah's name means the Lord has remembered. So many times, family, we think God has forgotten. We have that, that hope that we've been hanging on to, and we think that God's forgotten all about it, or God's moved on. But Zachariah, with his own name, should have been very well aware 
that God doesn't forget. God remembers. And what's John's name mean? God has been gracious. A cognate of it means the prayer for favor. So some could take John's name and mean the prayer for favor has been heard. That applied to Elizabeth and Zachariah, but it also applied to all those who are expectantly waiting the Messiah. Because John was going to prepare the way. John did prepare the way for the Messiah, his cousin Jesus. What can we take away today from Zechariah and Elizabeth? What was the, the hope that you visualized? Is it something that God cares about? Is it something that God will remember? It's up to you to decide whether you believe that or not. But as I alluded to a little bit earlier, Seventh-day Adventists, the denomination, we have two distinctive things in our name. Seventh-day, which refers to the fact that we worship on the seventh day, Saturday. And then Adventist. The word Advent, as we come into this Advent season, refers to the coming of an important person. That's what the word Advent means, the coming of an important person. The first Advent had been hoped for for thousands of years by Israelites, back all the way to Adam and Eve, who are looking forward to that Messiah. And in the fullness of time, God did exactly what he said he was going to do. And yet, it did not look like what they had expected. When you have a hope, it's important that you hold loosely to that hope. Because sometimes God wants to do something more for you than the little imagination and hope that you really have. Zachariah and Elizabeth had hoped for a child, but if they'd had a child 40 years earlier, that child wouldn't have been able to do what John did. Their hurt, their pain, their suffering furthered the cause of God. And in the end, I believe they were pretty happy and proud to be the parents of John. That's the thing about hope. It's important to have. But it's also important to hold on to it loosely. To not have a grip on what it has to be. You know, in the book, Good to Great, which is a fantastic book if you've never read it, Jim Collins talks about what he calls the Stockdale Paradox. The Stockdale Paradox is this. Jim Stockdale was the highest ranking American held in captivity during the Vietnam War. He was in, uh, tortured uh, for seven years in a Vietnamese prison. And when Jim Collins interviewed Stockdale, this is what he asked Stockdale, he said, who survived, who survived in those conditions? And Stockdale said, the first people 
the first people to, to not survive were the optimists. He said, why? Because they'd say, I'm going to be out of here by Thanksgiving. And Thanksgiving would come and go. And then they would say, but I'll be out of here by th- Christmas. And Christmas would come and go. And then the next Thanksgiving, and he said they would, because they were so sure, they'd give up and quit and die when it did not happen the way they thought it would. And yet Stockdale also said those that focused on the horrors of what was going on did not last either, did not survive. Stockdale said the people that survived were the people that were able to hold on to hope while yet engaging in the reality that they were in and accepting it and understanding it it was, and yet still able to hold on to the hope that somewhere down the road things would be different. This Advent season, we look forward to the second coming of Jesus. It's easy as Seventh-day Adventists. We've been talking about this for a little while now. And it's easy to sit back and say, well, did we get some things wrong? Are we on the wrong track? And I'm here to say, like Zachariah and Elizabeth, hold on to that hope. Why does it matter whether Jesus is coming back? For the same reason it matters when my wife is going to come back when she's been on a trip. Because I can't wait to be with my wife again. That's why I look forward to Jesus coming back. Because I can't wait to be with him. And I can't wait for pain and suffering to end. And I can't wait for what he has in store for a world made new. This Advent season, let's not just celebrate the baby. Let's celebrate the hope that Jesus is coming back. And if things don't happen exactly the way that Seventh-day Adventists have said they're going to happen in the last day events, if things don't go exactly the way, let's be okay with that because Jesus will come back. He will come back. Let's hold on to hope. But let's also be ready for the unexpected blessings that God has. Hi, this is Randy McGray, podcast producer and host here at Whole Life Church. Loving people into a lifelong friendship with God is our mission at the Whole Life Church, and our podcasts are designed to help facilitate conversations that help us grow together in that pursuit. Now that you've heard the message for this week, don't forget to check out the Whole Life Takeaways for this message. Swipe up in today's show notes and join the conversation. Speaking of conversations, each Wednesday morning we take a closer look at the week's message. That's right, the one you just listened to. We discuss practical ways to apply spiritual lessons and ask honest questions about the issues we face as Christians, all focused through the lens of grace. Your voice is a welcomed addition to that conversation. We encourage your thoughts and your questions by sending a voicemail or text to 407-965-1607 or send an email to podcast at wholelife.church. You can find everything podcast-related on our website, wholelife.church slash podcast. And plan on spending every Tuesday evening and Wednesday morning with us as we bring you the Whole Life Church inspiration you love straight into your headphones. Thanks for listening and have a great week.